The number of mass shootings across America has become almost routine, but a recent study found a common thread among shooters that could help prevent the violence. With a look, here's InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Joining us now is Samuel West, assistant professor of psychology at Virginia State University. While he was a postdoctoral researcher at Virginia Commonwealth University, he led the study into preventing mass shootings and is a co-author. Dr. West, you study looked at 177 mass shooters and identified what the study calls the most important external indicator leading up to the attacks. What is the indicator and why is it most important? The one that we identified in our work was social isolation. We identified social isolation as one of the most critical external indicators of psychological crisis because our analyses revealed that when it is present, when someone is engaging in social isolation, it makes all of the other crises that we considered our analysis more likely to occur. And so in this way, it sort of allows this kind of crosstalk between psychological crises and makes other crises more likely to develop. The so-called crisis multiplier, can you give us an example of how that would actually work? Sure. One of the crises included in our analysis was difficulty with daily tasks. That's a very broad indicator, but it's just really anything that your normal daily responsibilities that you do day in, day out, if you start having difficulty with those, that's one of these signs. That crisis was not directly connected or did not directly influence certain other crises, particularly agitation or sort of antagonistic behavior towards others. But when social isolation was considered, these two things both were influenced and mutually influenced social isolation. And by that, it kind of acts as a way station almost, allowing these two unrelated crises to now influence one another in a way where they mutually become more likely to emerge. So how could being connected to our social circles possibly prevent mass shootings? It's really like an inherent part of our existence as social selves or our experience as social selves. If we remove this sort of informal behavior correction offered to us by our friends, family, loved ones, there's no telling what might begin to sort of grow and develop in the mind of someone who is already struggling or is otherwise unwell and experiencing one or more of these crises without this critical checks and balances on our behavior that's provided by our friend groups and loved ones. And what did mood swings in a person help predict when it comes to mass shootings? Mood swings as well as depressed mood, both were the strongest predictors of shooting severity. That is the number of casualties. So to be clear, that's not just people who were deceased, but also people who were shot and survived. And that's how we defined severity in this context. And it was those two variables that were kind of the strongest predictors of that outcome. It has been said that the study is novel in that the data used was based on other people's perceptions of a mass shooter. Talk about the importance of that. Sure. Just to clarify, we didn't actually collect the data ourselves. There was another team that collected this data. It's from a publicly accessible database. But the portion that makes this you know, more novel and interesting is that these other researchers that created this database, they depended entirely on third-party reports and observations of the behavior and daily lives of these individuals who eventually became mass shooters. 
that was important to our research because that was a primary motivator of this study was to take observable crises that could be accurately observed by non-professionals, third parties, laypersons, if you will, relations from these individuals in their daily lives that are not law enforcement, that are not trained clinical psychiatrists or psychologists, that are just individuals that can just readily detect and observe the behavior of those close to them. We're visiting with Samuel West, assistant professor of psychology at Virginia State University. During his time at Virginia Commonwealth, he led the study into preventing mass shootings and is a co-author. Doctor, we have a lot of parents listening to this show. Now, if they have kids that seem to be stuck up in their room all day, maybe on social media, how can parents tell if their children are indeed socially isolated versus just going through a phase? Indeed, social isolation, generally speaking, on its own is relatively normal. We all go through periods where we kind of want to be alone for a little while. That in itself should not raise concern. What I would say to parents, rather than being concerned about finding red flags that their child might turn into a violent person or a, God forbid, a mass shooter later in life, is for them to influence and encourage them to engage in these extracurricular social activities to build social structures and to develop friendships outside of just their immediate social groups, maybe even outside of just the people they go to school with. But it's also for parents to model these behaviors for their children as well. So the attempt would be to reestablish the person's social connections? Yes. Generally speaking, the idea here would be whatever it might take to bring the individual back into a a social group or social circle where people are regularly and routinely spending time around that individual. And indeed, this extends throughout all of the literature on this topic is that mass shooters necessarily go into deep state of social isolation because all of the things they do leading up to these attacks require them to be in isolation, i.e. stockpiling weapons and ammunition. And if not a family member, maybe a friend who notices there's a problem could just stop by and say hi and check in. Absolutely. And that's another reason that we argue for the importance and the focus on social isolation is that this is something that individuals that are just part of someone's social circle could readily intervene on by just popping in and saying hello. Even if the person they are checking in on is not at a risk of becoming a mass shooter, deepening and strengthening our social bonds is never going to be a negative thing. So let's look at the macro view then. What can society do to help isolated people build connections that might, yes, ward off a mass shooting? That's a big question. And unfortunately, it's not one that we can really address with the data in this study. However, one general example or suggestion that I have provided elsewhere uh, was perhaps for us to start considering social engagement with perhaps civic organizations, other community groups as part of compulsory education. There's some literature suggesting that part of the reason that these primarily young men are the ones that go on to perpetuate shootings appears to be at least in part because after they graduate high school, their social circle tends to just sort of dissipate unless they go to college. And we've seen this time and time again in the histories of these young men that go on to become shooters that they feel dejected, they feel ostracized, and then they just kind of accept it and say, okay, if no one wants me around, then I'm going to hide from the world. And it allows these other crises and this ultimately violent pattern of thoughts to emerge. 
Interesting. All interesting. Dr. Samuel West, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. And that's it for this week's show. Our internet services are provided by Pair Networks. InfoTrack's executive producer is Randy Meyer, and I'm Chris Whitting. We hope you'll join us right here next week for another edition of InfoTrack.